Welcome to episode six of the Comfort, Peace, and Freedom podcast. I'm Ken Rusk. During each episode, I try to speak with world-class personalities about what makes them successful and about their experiences with my three favorite words, comfort, peace, and freedom. Today's guest is Cody Adens, author, entrepreneur, social influencer, and all-around winning coach. Throughout today's episode, you'll learn many things about how to win one step at a time while being as present as possible. So let's get started. Okay, here we go. Uh, Cody Aiden, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. No problem. You know, I, I always wonder, whenever I see somebody like you, and you've got an amazing following, you've done some great things with the books and, and all that you've done, I always wonder where this positivity comes from. So, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what was your upbringing like? Like what, what happened that, that you just have this great outlook on life? And um, I'm always interested to hear how that happened. So could you just tell me a little bit about, you know, maybe, maybe how you grew up and how that kind of formed this, this, uh, the attitudes that you have today? Yeah, I think, well, if you talk about childhood, I had a really supportive home. So I, my mom and dad were both there and they were both teachers and my younger adolescents. So they were home a lot. So I got all that time with them. I got the weekends with them. I got the summers with them and I played a bunch of sports. And so I was really involved and my dad was my coach. So there was like that great bond. But I think that my positivity really started to be reinforced in my life as I got older and I got into reading books and so much that I read it was so indicative that like your what you believe creates your life. And so whatever you think is true is going to be true. And so I realized like, why would I create an obstacle for myself that doesn't even exist through negative thoughts, right? However, I think about something is how something will be. And so I think through doing all that due diligence and research and reading all these different books, it became so inherently obvious and seeing the successful people in my circle and people that I knew and interacting with them one common denominator is those people always have good positive outlooks. And so I think, it, I think all of our success starts in our mind. Was there something though that, that got you to say, well, you know what, I need to improve the way I think. So I'm going to start reading books or I'm going to start talking to people. Was there some event or some moment in your life where you said, you know what, I need to work on this? Or was it just like a natural progression towards that? No. So growing up, I had a really hard time learning. So like going up through school, um, I just, I could never like perform in the way the school wanted me to. So I always like, kind of felt like a little bit lesser than because like I knew intellectually, like I wasn't on the level as my peers. And so going through school and education in high school, I knew like, all right, well, college isn't going to be for me because I don't even like school anyways. And I either, I mean, they're going to have to get money to go to school or get money to start a business. And so obviously it was pretty clear for me, I'm going to go the business route. <laughs> yeah, and right. my, my, my parents didn't have, um, even though we had this great household, they didn't have a lot of financial acumen. And so I saw the mistakes that they made, but I also didn't have a source of good information because they were my only like model to show how to handle finances. And so when I was really young, I said, all right, I'm going to buy every book I can on finances and I'm going to learn and teach myself everything I can about the way that money works. And then once I got into that, that created a motivation to read and to, because now I finally was like, okay, I'm getting knowledge for me, not because the school said so. And so that became insatiable. And I just got on this path of all these amazing books 
And through like realizing I could learn so much about finances from those finance books, it was like, well, what else can I learn? And that's what started me reading like the psychology books and the inspiration books and, and learning that all of this amazing stuff exists and people have already figured it out. So why am I going to go through the struggle of trying to figure it out for myself? I'll just take the advice of someone who's already done it. See, I, I, I love that. And I, I've, I've always thought that, you know, mindsets, emotions, whatever they are, um, you know, your, your brain can only take so much in at a time and it has to decide what it's going to keep in, what it's going to leave out. And, you know, your emotions are always fighting for space in there, right? So, you know, I've come to the conclusion over the years that being positive is, a, is, is not something that occurs naturally. It's like a choice you have to make, right? Oh, yeah. So how do you teach people that, that come to you and say, you know, Cody, I'm, I'm really trying to change the way I think, but, you know, I'm just stuck in this negative space. How do you convince people, first off, that it is a choice and then help them to make that choice? I think using an analogy is always helpful. So if you think about someone who's really fit, uh, you can look at them and you can say, wow, they're fit, right? Because they exercise their body and we inherently know it's important to exercise your body and to be healthy. But too often, I think we forget to exercise our mind. And so you can't just be positive without putting in the work to become positive, just like you can't be fit without putting the work in the gym. And so what I say is you've got to actively work towards it, right? And so use just like you would go and you would do a prescribed exercise from someone in the gym, you can go pick up a book on positivity and surround yourself with people who have that same positivity that you desire, because if your inner circle is instinctually negative, then it's going to be very hard to break that bond. Just like if the circle of people you hang out with are always eating bad foods and, and having bad <laughs> habits, then your habits aren't going to be good. So, so I think if you think about your mind the same way as you think about your body, I think that's the disconnect is people just think it's so easy to, to switch from I'm stuck in this root of negativity to, oh, I just can now I'm going to be positive. Well, it's no different than if you've been really unhealthy, you can't just become healthy overnight. It takes a process. And I think if you give yourself that grace to understand that I'm going to have to keep working at it, then you can get there. And that's, that's what's helpful with the bracelets in my book and winning the moment is that you could use that as your winning moment, right? So if like you are set with something that happens at work and your and your gut instinct is to be negative about it well you can pause for a second and say gosh if i change the way i think about the situation i'm going to change the reality of the situation and so you just you force yourself to do that and then you can move a bracelet and that is creating that habit loop for yourself where you can start building those positive habits but it's going to take time just like it takes time to get healthy well that that's that was the very next question i had which is you have somebody that says you know cody i tried this okay um, I got up and I thought positive and it, it kept me for a couple of days and then something happened. I fell back into it. You know, and they always talk about 21 days to make a habit. You know, uh, they, they talk about triggers, which is some of the things that you use, which I really, really love because I use them all the time. How, how long do you think it might take somebody to to switch? I mean, are we talking about like, like, you know, maybe transforming your body? Are we talking about weeks and months to do this? I think it depends how much work you put in, right? Because just like someone who, if, if they're committed to going to the gym for eight hours a day, they're going to become fitter faster than someone who sure. goes to the gym one hour a day. So I think right. it depends on how much work you put in and you're in charge of that, of that process. And ultimately the harder you work at it, the quicker you're going to get there. And, and you talk a lot about, you talk a, a lot about, and I think that goes along with what we're just talking about now, the choosing to lose, um, thing that you talk about. Can you just kind of put that out there for yeah. us? Because I really loved that from what I saw on your socials and in the book and everything. I really love that particular piece. 
Yeah, I think that too often, you know, we know as a person what we want to do and who we want to be, but we still make those bad choices, even though we know (laughs) this choice is counterintuitive to my end goal, right? And so sometimes you just need that trigger to, to stop you. So if it's like, if you know you want to get up early tomorrow morning and exercise, but you also know you want to have that beautiful glass of whiskey tonight, well, you have to decide in that moment and don't choose to lose, right? Because I know if I have this, this cocktail, it's going to inhibit my ability to do the thing I really want to do tomorrow morning. And so when you use that phraseology to yourself of don't choose to lose, it's just, again, our brain is going to make a decision in a really short period of time. Like Mel Robbins has the five second rule where she basically counts down from five and that's what her catalyst to make being the person she wants to be. It's really, I'm using that same science that she's talking about. And you're just using that as the catalyst to make a good decision because you don't have to make a good decision for the rest of your life. In that moment in the evening, you just have to make it for that one singular moment. And it's way easier to decide to not have a cocktail tonight than to not have one for the rest of my life. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because I'm a bourbon guy. You mentioned whiskey and, and, and it's, yeah. you know, I, I have this bourbon bar in my basement and it, sometimes it's all too easy to, after a bad day to go down there and go, well, I'm just going to have one of these yeah. real quick. <laughs> and absolutely, um, yeah, I, I think I probably should get some of those bands that you have on your wrist so I can flip them <laughs> from one wrist to the other and say, well, maybe I'm not going to do that. It's Tuesday, you know, maybe I'll wait till the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's how it was for me even last night. So let's see, yesterday was Wednesday. And I was like, gosh, it really sounds good to have a little bit of whiskey and go sit in the hot tub and watch the basketball game. And I, <laughs> and I almost did it. But instead, I just filled up water instead. And I and I used that as one of my winning moments. And, and, I, and then I was able to get up this morning and do the things I got to do. And so uh, I appreciated that I made that choice for myself last night. No, that's perfect. So you, you talk a lot about being present. And I absolutely love this. In fact, there's a book out called The Present. And um, I had it in a book club in my in my office with the staff, and um, there, there's there's no doubt about about the power of you know you can't control yesterday, you, you can only control something about the future, but you, you can sure as heck control this very moment in time. So yeah, if, if you're if you're like, how do you square? Because I'm I, my whole thing is about being a, a, a very visual person, about seeing what you want and going to get it. How do you square or how do you how do you have being, you know, in the future, visualizing your goals with being present at the same time? How do those two things live live alongside each other? I'm glad you asked that because I think it's really important because being present doesn't mean you can't have goals, right? Because what I want people to have, I think that too often people have an ability to underestimate what they can do, or I'm sorry, overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in three years. So I want you to have, like Jim Collins says in Good to Great, a big, hairy, audacious goal that's out there in the future that you're trying to get to. But what you have to understand is whatever that goal is, I can't get there today, but I know what I have to do today and every day for the next 900 days to get there. So I just need to make those good decisions in the in the present moment that allow me if I stay on course to get there. But you have to have it there because if you don't have something in front of you, it's hard to have the motivation to do it. Like if I was to go and jog and I said, I'm just going to go for a run today and I twist my ankle, well, then I'm just going to go home because I had a, I had something come up. Right. If I say I'm going to run three miles today and I twist my ankle, it's like, oh, I got one more mile to go. I'm going to finish, you know, because I had a destination in mind. And so I think it's important for people to take the time and determine where you want to go so you can be motivated in the moment to get to that place that you're striving for. Yeah, and I, and I think I think that's, that's hugely important because 
in, in my world, having a lot of goals allows you to, lead, to live an anticipatory life, whether you're anticipating a goal that's a vacation in three months or saving for yeah. a house in, in five years or, you know, uh, maybe improving your body or, you know, even saving for long-term retirement, which is 20, 30 years away from now. You know, I, yeah. I like to have several of those occurring at the same time because I believe when you live in, in anticipation of something like a vacation, there's just this kind of force that kind of drags you along and gives you that extra push that you need to go do that. When you're anticipating, and I loved what you said about working out, when you're anticipating somebody waiting for you at the gym, it's a much stronger force than you getting out of bed yeah. in January in Ohio in the, in the snow to go drive yeah. to that gym. So right. I, I'm always thinking about the, the, being the, the, the best possible version of yourself, but you have to see what that is first. So I, I love what you said about, you know, don't try to fit into society's bubble. Can you expand upon yeah. that a little bit for, for the, the listeners? Yeah, I think, again, for me, it probably started as a, as a kid, right? Because school wanted me to be a certain way, and I just wasn't that way. And it wasn't that I was lesser than, I was just different, right? And then there was, like, all this pressure to follow society's guidelines of go to school, go to then graduate high school, go to college, get a job, stay in that job, have your family. And it's like, I don't think people ever take a time to decide for them what success looks like because success for someone else doesn't mean that it's success for you. And I think it's so critically important, especially for youth and really anyone who hasn't yet defined it for them is you wanted to find that for yourself. And it, it brought me back to a conversation with a friend of mine and we were sitting in the hot tub one night talking about success. And I said, you know, if someone wants to surf every day, and they just live on the beach and surf. Well, I think that person's successful. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, yeah, of course I do. He goes, I know you, you don't think that's successful. I said, that isn't my definition of success. I don't even know how to surf. So of course I don't want that for myself, but if that person wants it and he's doing it, then definitively he is successful, right? Like it's not about money or material items or income. And it can be, if that's what your goal is, that's okay. But if someone's goal isn't that, that's okay too, right? And so I think it really is important for you to feel that sense of, of appreciation and confidence and belief in yourself that you define it and don't let someone else do it for you. And I think it, you know, for a lot of us, it's like, it's parent pressure. Like I was just reading a book where this one guy's parents wanted him to be an attorney he wanted to be a PE teacher. So he went through three years of school, like working towards being an attorney and finally realized like, I hate this. I hate every day of my life. What am I doing? And he was <laughs> so afraid to let his parents down that he'd done, he'd wasted three years. And he finally said, I'm not doing it anymore. And he went and signed up and became a PE teacher and had a great life. And so I think it really is so important that you find your why and your purpose. And that's what you work towards. Cause it's the only way you can feel fulfilled in your day to day. And life is meant to be enjoyed and to be loved and appreciated. And if you're doing something that you don't love and you don't enjoy doing, it's impossible to have that, that happiness that you're, that we're all after. Yeah. We always talk about, you know, you should happen to life, not let life happen to you. Right. Um, yeah. Because you know, that's incumbent upon all of us to, 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 again, to be, to discover, try to figure out who our best selves is. And um, yeah, I, I do a lot of drawing, Cody. I, I, I have, a, in my coaching, I have a lot of people that I just sit them down with a cardboard and a box of crayons and say, let's draw your perfect nirvana. Like if you could live the way you want to live, you know, what kind of car would it be? What kind of house would it be? What kind of spiritual um, thing would you follow? What, what kind of charity moment would you have? What would your, your pet look like, a dog or a cat, and what color, what would you name it? You know, get really specific yeah, about, sure. like a vision board, 
but way more specific than that. And what's amazing is every time somebody draws something, it is completely different from the other 20 people in the room. So yeah, if, that's, if that is true, then why would you listen to what the crowd is doing? You know what I'm saying? And so Absolutely. again, I really appreciate what, what, you, what you're saying there because you're trying to get everyone to understand that you and only you know what your favorite color is. Nobody else does. Yeah. So why are you listening to right. other people, you know what I mean, in, yeah. in these channels? Now, you just talked about college. Okay, you know I'm a blue-collar guy, right? Um, yeah. I didn't go to school. Um, you didn't go to school. What, uh, you know, I'm not an anti-college guy, okay? So if, if you're going to be a, a surgeon and, and you want to operate on my shoulder so I can get back on the golf course, you better learn everything there is to know about a knife before you come at me with it, right? Yeah. So, Agreed. so those are specific degrees that get you specific jobs from a specific school. What's wrong with the non-specific college system that we have today in your mind? Well, I think if you look back in history, uh, we had child labor like way, way back in the early, early, early parts of the United States. And what they did is they said, well, we need these kids to be more educated and better employees. And so that's what created school is they wanted to send these adolescent youth to a four year time so that they could go and be better workers, not leaders or not builders, not developers, but really the workforce. And so I think that if you look back to the to the roots of how college started, if that's what you want to be, then that's okay. And maybe you can go through that path and then you can just go and, and go to your work every day and show up nine to five and do your job. But if you want to create something yourself, I think you're so much better off just starting because it's easier to fail in the beginning because you don't have all these life responsibilities that, that are required of you, right? And right. so you can take those risks. And I think that you got to fail to success and you're never, unless you're just super unique, going to just start out and be successful right away. And so like, even for me in my life where I had some entrepreneurial starts in the beginning, there was a time when my family was coming about that I was like, Ooh, I want security and I'm not going to, I no longer am comfortable taking that risk. And eventually I got myself out of that and went back to it. Uh, but I could see why people would be afraid and let fear guide them and stop them from their pursuits because they they want that security. And I think that's what college can provide is a certain level of security, but I don't think it provides abundance. And so I think if you really want to create a life that's custom tailored to your desires and your goals, then your best way to do that is to just start. So I, I have... I have this theory that I, I put out um, in, in, in what I talk about, and that is that, you know, let's assume that you borrow $50,000 a year to go to school all in, and I'm talking books, travel, gas, you know, yeah. everything. Yeah. So that's or $200,000 at the end of four years. Hopefully you didn't borrow that money, right? So in today's day and age with the blue collar crisis that we have, which is really getting bad. I mean, you can't find people to do these jobs anywhere. You know, supply yeah. and demand dictates that where the supply is low and demand is high, that's where the money goes and that's what we're seeing. So, you know, you could, you could almost come straight out of high school and make 50, 60, $70,000 a year in one of these construction jobs where you're in control of your own destiny or some type of trade. If you yeah. add that up after four years, that's 200,000 in the positive side of your asset base you're talking about a potential $400,000 swing by the time you're 23 or four years old in from the negative to the positive. When, when, you're, when you're out there talking about the fact that you didn't go to college, in fact, you recently visited a college, I, I think. 
Yeah, correct. How how do you school? I mean, how do you get that? Whether you're you're aiming that at teachers who think, well, this is a college prep high school, so we just have to send everyone to, to college because that's how I get graded, or the parents or the guidance counselors or I mean, how do you get that message out there that it's never been true that 100% of the population should go to college? So why is that true now? I think the best way to do it is doing exactly what we're doing now and creating a platform to show people who are in who are in high school and are trying to make that decision of like what's best for me for them to be able to see that there's people who haven't followed that path and have been able to find success. And what's funny is like most people an accolade is like saying I was the first person in my family to go to college. And I was the exact opposite. I was the first person in my family to not go to school. <laughs> all my parents, all my aunts and uncles, all my cousins. And so like there was a time my mom was like really disappointed that I was the only one that didn't go, you know? And I think it's just because I was willing to start my journey and, and I wanted to be in control. And so I think that it's important, even if you're young, to really find your why. And if your why is aligned with that traditional uh, path and then do it. But if your wise lined with something else, just start. And in today's world with the internet and with TikTok and with Instagram, like even video games, you can make a living just playing video games if you're good at it. So there's so <laughs> yeah. many new paths to creating that life that you want for yourself that I think it starts with defining it. Cause I think what happens is people go to school because they don't know what they want to do. So it's almost like they're just delaying their decision by four years. Like, well, I don't know what I'm going to want to, I don't know what I want to do. So I'm just going to do right. this. And so, but four years is a huge amount of time. Like if you and I start a race and I get to start running and you don't start running until four years later, because of compound interest, you may never catch me. You, you won't. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. You won't. And that you, when you talk about the power of young money, it's ridiculous that we don't teach this in high schools because you could almost eliminate, right. social, you could eliminate social security almost altogether if you just had these proper conversations with people in high school about keeping their first few dollars yeah. to themselves. You know what I mean? So... Um, yeah, so w when, when you talk about, uh, about college, you know, one of the statistics that I've uncovered in my research for my book was 40% of people today enter college without any idea why they're going. I mean, that I seems crazy to me. And then the stat goes on to say that 25% of those kids who eventually decide change their decision, okay, in the first two years. So there's yeah. some inefficiency there. But the worst part was only one out of three people ever use their degree in their life ever. Okay. So yeah. that is a horribly inefficient system for, again, the nonspecific college attendee, not, not, not the doctor, lawyer, teacher, nurse, whatever, because right. they have a specific Understood. path. So I look at this and I say to myself, okay, I never went to college, but when I do see colleges, like my buddies went to Ohio state or my other buddy went here, whatever, the only thing I think I missed was the party atmosphere and the social aspect of it, because I, I'm, yeah. I'm using the skills that I learned um, in an, a non-specific way uh, for the non-specific you know, jobs that I had, the construction work that I had. So why did you decide that college wasn't for you? Really, it came. It was a financial decision, right? So I, at that age, because my parents didn't have the means to pay for school for me, so it really came down to X's and O's of, College is going to cost X. My business is going to cost Y. And I'd much rather put money into something that's going to return money to me than into something that may down the road potentially return money to me. And honestly, like, so I started my business when I was 19, uh, a cell phone store. 
and I sold it in April of 2008, which was really fortunate because of the financial crisis. I was able to exit prior to that. And then I was able to use that as a business owner, right? I was able to be qualified for a management position in a big corporation, even though I ran my store by myself, I had no employees, but because I had owned a business, of course, the job uh, seekers were like, oh, this guy owned his own cell phone store. Of course, he's qualified to manage, right? And so it created this artificial, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like respect or or approval that like I can do this thing. And so it got me into that that corporate space. And then I was able to parlay that in 10 months of performance to become a district manager, which most of my peers had like MBAs and they were 15 <laughs> years my senior, right. right? And so I took this very accelerated path to get into this incredible role that gave me so much back in life through income and through inspiration and through education, right? Because I really learned on the job. I'd never managed people in that capacity before I got that role. And I got that role at 21. But so I was in a role that I wouldn't have even yet had graduated school yet doing something that had I gone the traditional route, like had I graduated school, I wouldn't have been qualified for that management position right? I would have had to just start from the bottom anyways. And so right. it really created an ability for me to forge my own path. And that's just given me such a head start in every other thing that I've done, because now I've created this amazing amount of experience through doing the actual positions. So did you feel like you were faking it till you make it and making it kind of thing? And when, I mean, did you feel surprised? Yeah that you were qualified for that management job when you only ever had, you didn't have any employees before? The the first one, not so much because it was in a kiosk. So I only had four other employees and I was like, okay, I, I, I'm great at sales. I'm a natural leader. Like this is fine. When I got that new role, the district manager, where I had 12 locations across the state of Arizona, absolutely. <laughs> and all of my peers had so much experience and so much knowledge. I mean, it was like, yes, I very much felt like oh shit, I kind of don't belong, you know? Right. And so it, it put me on like that, hey, I'm gonna have to figure this out, you know? And I remember the first couple of months being like, I'm gonna get fired, you know? Like I should not be here. <laughs> and I started that job in May. So the first two months, June, July, August. And then by the that fourth quarter of that first year, um, I was the second best district manager in my region of the Southwest part of the United States. Nice. And then the next year I became district manager of the year for the entire company. Um, and so it was really amazing to see like, wow, I didn't need all of that other stuff because it's ultimately about relations, right? Like the way that I succeeded sure. was through finding out what drove my people and helping them understand that their success got them closer to their goals, not to the companies, right? And, and by motivating them through what their purpose was, we were able to have immense success. And so really at the end of the day, it just came down to relations. And, and I built all those skills over the course of my life, just through interactions and sports and, and the companies that I'd started. You know, it's it's funny that you say that because I was working at a, a place that dug ditches. I mean, that's what I did from the time I was 15 till the time I was 18. And I learned the business so well that, you know, the owner was trying to franchise his company out because we were growing so fast. We couldn't possibly go two, three hours in every direction. And um, so they kind of dumped me off in Columbus and said, here, we're going to have you start a business from scratch for our new owner. OK, who knew nothing about this business? So. Here I am, you know, finding a lease space. I'm 18 and a half years old. I'm looking for buildings and I'm, I'm trying to build buildings out and, and get the, you know, the wiring and the, and, and the phones. And I knew nothing about any of this. I mean, I was just yeah, winging right. it as I went along. Yeah. But, you know, I thought to myself, well, I've never built a business before, but if I had, 
the first thing I would do is probably find a place to have this business. And I just kept saying that over and over until I actually created this company. And then I left and did three or four more of those before I started my own. I, I wonder how you and I can get the message out that you really are so much more powerful armed with your own vision of what you want your life to look like. You really are so much more powerful because my fear is that people look at me sometimes and I've heard it. Oh, you're lucky. You're one of those entrepreneurs. Okay, well, here's a crayon and a piece of paper. Draw entrepreneur for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't. But yet an entrepreneur doing what? Okay, now I can draw that. So do you believe like I do that, again, armed with a really super clear vision of what you want your life to look like, your perfect nirvana, I call it comfort, peace, and freedom. Are you, are, are you in agreement that almost anybody can be an entrepreneur? Oh, of course. I think everyone's in control of their life regardless of a path they want, right? Like my, uh, when I was in sales, used to have like the sales reps were at the bottom be like, oh, well, Ken's just lucky, you know? And it's like, really? Like, that's what we're going to put it on? Like, let's watch Ken for an hour. <laughs> And in one right. hour, Ken talks to 40 people and you talk to four. He's not even better than you because you closed one of four. He closed four of 40. So your close rate's higher, but he yeah. sold times as much as you because he's hustling harder. You know, like I right. don't believe in luck. I think if we're flipping a coin and you ask me to guess heads or tails, if I get it right, it's lucky at a 50-50 chance. But as far as the success or failure that people have in life, that's 100% on them. So... So how do you convert people? And, and I really love this conversation. I could talk about this all day. How do you convert people who are typical? I mean, our typical society lives an if-then life. You know, if I go to college and if I get a good um, job and, or if I get a scholar, if, you know, if I go through all that process and then I get a good job and um, if that job pays money, then I can start living my life. You know, I believe in starting with the then and working backwards towards it. And the thing about that is, is if you're, again, if you're armed with that clear picture, there's like a million different ways to get there. Only one of them being the college path. So how do you, how do you change the, this whole, you know, societal expectation that, well, I birthed my child and I fed my child and I clothed them and I protected them and I sheltered them and I gave them my basic knowledge and I sent them to a school. So now to finish them off as a good parent, I therefore have to get them college educated. How do you flip that narrative a little bit to get them to understand that, no, 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 there's, there's a lot of other ways to get that, to get to those successes. And, and that's only one of them. I think the only thing that I can think of, because it is such a, like, it's so ingrained in yeah, our is. culture and our community. And so it's like, that's like, they go to school from kindergarten on being told like this, you're doing this to do that, you know? And right. so the only way that I can think of is to continue to do what we're doing and use platforms and things like books to share that message and inspire people to believe in themselves. Because like part of what I say in my book is like, I don't, I don't know anything, you know? So it's like, I'm just a regular dude. I don't have I didn't have like this upbringing or like this huge opportunity that no one else had. Like I created it all for myself. And so I hope that that can be an inspiration for other people to see that like, oh, without having any sort of a head start or any opportunity that doesn't exist to anyone else, you can find that success for yourself. And I think that if people really start by defining success for them anyways, then that'll completely change the path they want to take. Because if they really say, well, this, like what you said, if I draw on a cardboard box of the crayon, what I really want, 
Let's start there and then look at the past to get to that drawing. And, and again, I think the other thing people have to really realize is I think there's this predetermined, well, success means 15 cars and a McMansion yeah. and, you know, a, a yeah. yacht and, and, you know, a, maybe a singing career. Um, but, you know, I, 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 one of the first people that turned me on to, to, you know, how to live successfully was a guy that I talk about who I saw him at a club med, believe it or not. It was 20 years ago. And, you know, you go to a club med, they put a wristband on you and you get a week with that colorful wristband and they know when you're coming and going based on the color of the wristband, right? So here's a guy that had seven or eight of these wristbands on at the same time. And I finally said to him, I said, hey, what's the story with all the wristbands, you know? And he said, well, I work in Minnesota and I mow lawns and do landscaping all summer long. And when I shut down my shop in December, I literally go to Club Med for 10, 12 weeks straight. And I've been doing it for years and that's my thing. It's my reward. I get to travel to these different islands. I get to hang out with all these different people. And that was his version of success. He had, he had a, a regular ranch house. He had a really nice pickup truck and his tools and equipment, everything was perfect. But his version of success was the freedom of three months a year. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in, in, in my mind, when I think of trying to, to, to get someone to understand that we all don't have to have that, again, mega rich, mega mansion type lifestyle, how do you point kids to understand that they really can control what that looks like for them and what their perfect nirvana might look like? So here's a fun fact for you. Did you know that only 14 out of every 100 adults describes themselves as happy? That's a pretty low number. The question you have to ask yourself is, are you one of those lucky few or do you feel like there's more to life out there? I've been fortunate to work with some brilliant course designers to create a course that will help you define and build comfort, peace, and freedom in your life. I call it the path and it is a great way to help you identify what you really want out of your life and to develop the skills necessary to go get it. When you join the course, not only will you receive a digital copy of my Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, but you'll also get lifetime access to the best goal-setting tactics that I have used to turn myself into an effective, goal-oriented machine and take control of my mind, my money, and my life. All of this great information is normally available to you at $129. However, for you amazing listeners of today's podcast, you can get lifetime access to the path for just 99 bucks. And if you do it today, I'll do you one better. Get involved now and I'll actually donate a free course and a free book to any one of your choosing. So you can not only change your own life, but help someone else in the process. And what could be better than that? So just use the link in today's show description and the discount code podcast to get started. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, I think sometimes it's about like how much work it takes to, to get to that level, right? So it's like in the beginning, when I was younger, I thought like I kept putting on a dollar amount. Like once I 
get six figures, once you get a quarter of a million a year, once you get a half a million dollars a year. But then I started seeing people earning that money. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to, <laughs> oh, I have to work really hard for that. I don't want to work that much, you know? Right. And so as I got older, I realized how important my family was to me and the time at home and the ability to disconnect. Okay. And like, I'm leaving tonight to go to Mexico with my family for spring break and to have the opportunity to be completely disconnected, not have to worry about anything. Like that's what success is to me. And so it stopped becoming about a monetary number because once you get to a certain level anyways, your life doesn't really change that much, right? Once you have like all of your base things that you need covered, covered, then it's really about how do you enjoy your life? And so I think- sharing that message that like, you may not want the work that comes along with this, you know, you could be much happier working seven months out of the year, spending three months in, in uh, Mexico and having a really, really great life. Like that is success, you know? And again, it, don't let someone else define it for you or don't let Instagram or TikTok or any of these platforms make you feel lesser than, cause you don't have this thing you see other people having. Cause one, you don't know how they got it. You don't know if they actually want it, right? right. I know plenty of people who are very wealthy and not happy. And so for I would sure. trade happiness for wealth any day of the week. Yeah, I, I, I write about that myself. I, I know a lot of people who are rich who are miserable, okay? And, yeah, and, and right. it's, only, it's only because in the, for the most part, they work too much. And secondly, they feel like they're out of control. Like they're at the behest of everybody else and they're not in control of their own sure. time. So just as much as being important for me to draw the pictures of what my want, what I want my life to look like. I also have to take pictures of the things and the memories that I've accomplished along the way. You know, because you write down something about a car or a truck or a motorcycle or a sports car, doesn't make it a materialistic goal. And that's not really the thing. I mean, you're not looking to park these cars in the front yard so all your neighbors can see them. But if you can take that car and go race it on the track and create an awesome, exhilarating moment for yourself, or you could take your family and load them up and go on a, on a trip out west. You know, those are the things. So I, I try to remind people not only to visualize what you want, but also to document and memorialize pictorially what you've done and put that all around you. Because then you can kind of live in this, wow, look at the cool things that, that we've done and, and the cool experiences that we've had. So love what you're saying there. Tell me about what you're doing now, because... You, you went from working for yourself, which is great. And then you started working for a corporation. So what happened after that? So when my daughter uh, or my wife got pregnant with my daughter, this was nine years ago, instantly had a sense of like, oh no, like I got to do more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so I, uh, my daughter was when she was six months old, we packed up everything from St. George, Utah, moved to Houston, Texas. And I created a marketing company with two of my best friends and we built that up to where our last year we paid out over a million dollars in commissions to our reps. And wow. then when my son was born, it was like, okay, it's actually time to get back home now, you know? Yeah. And so I started a financial practice as a financial advisor because I still wanted to be in control of my own destiny. And I had rented a space in an office from one of my best friends from high school, Breck, uh, to do my financial firm. And he had, had overheard me talking on the phone with my wife, Megan, because we have a budget for our family. And at the time where we were in that transition, our budget was really tight, right? And so she had gone over her budget by like $5 that month. And I was like, hey, we can't, we can't go over budget. You know, and she's like, well, it's only $5. It's like, right. But the budget, you can't go over it. That's how a budget works, right? So even though it's $5, yeah. it matters. We can't do that. And Breck overheard that conversation and his family had owned this really luxury property outside of Zion National Park for 30 years. 
And he was like, man, I've not had anyone treat our business's finance like Cody treats his personal finance. And so he asked me to be the CFO for that property. And that was six years ago. And while doing that, we realized, hey, there's an opportunity for us to take this property to the next level by joining uh, a, a major brand like Hil Hilton or Marriott. And so we ended up joining the, the Hilton collection with Curio. The property is called the Cliff Rose. And then doing that, we realized we had to have a management company in order to still retain management operations of the property. And so that's why we created Vibrant Management originally just to manage that particular property. And so Breck and I are, are co-founders and partners in that. And this April, we'll celebrate our fifth year of Vibrant Management being in operation. And now we've got over 20 clients from all the way from Florida up to Canada. That's, that, that, I mean, again, the American dream, right? It's uh, the ability yeah. to control your own destiny. So we're talking with Cody Aiden, and there's too many things that I could tell you about him. He's an uh, he's entrepreneur, he's an author, he's, um, he, he's all over social media, talking about some great things. If you wanna get your day picked up for yourself, just get on some of his socials and and listen to some of his uh, some of his reels. They're they're just they're just really good and they, they will definitely flip your mindset uh, towards the positive in, in no no time at all. Um, amazing work that you've done over your career. So, for for those out there that are listening, how cool is it to work for yourself? I mean, versus working for somebody else. Honestly, I I wouldn't have it any other way. You know, like. Right now I'm at home because I have the ability to do that. So I'll have an office too that I'll go to. And like my kids had their parent teacher conferences last week and not having to ask for time off or being worried I'm going to lose my job. Yeah. I'm able to just go to their school, do their parent teacher conferences, coach their little league sports. Uh, it just creates freedom and freedom for me is what I deem as success. Yeah, it's, it's one of my three tenants. Okay. Comfort, peace, and freedom. There's no doubt. Um, I, I was able to watch every swing my golf, my, my daughter ever took in golf for the four years of her high school. Again, didn't have to ask anyone's permission. I'll be back, you know, handle it. I'll be right. I'll be back when, uh, when we're done. Yeah. And, and, and those are the types of things that you just can't get back. I mean, so many parents that I say, oh my God, it went so fast. You know, I didn't get to see this. I didn't get to, I was so busy at work. I, I would encourage everybody out there, you know, the beauty of working for yourself, you get to control your input which means you get to control your output. You get to control the quality of that output. You get to control your day, your time, your schedule, your financial gain. And, um, and, and you get to, to, to live a life like, like Cody here who, who can really run his own show and, and determine his, his, own, his own destiny. And I, I just think there's, there's nothing better than that. So in, in the time and the space and the freedom that you had, you decided to write a book. How'd that happen? So I, it's something I'd always wanted to do uh, like as I got so inspired through these books I read, I was like, man, I hope one day I can inspire people the way that these books have inspired me. And and I got on this journey to finally hold myself accountable at the end of 2018, where I had always been so successful professionally, but like I never held myself to that same standard, like what we yeah. talked about earlier. Yeah, I'll go to the gym if someone's waiting for me, but no way I'm going otherwise. <laughs> right. And so I created a spreadsheet to like manage that for myself. And I had a bunch of success and I shared that out on LinkedIn and it kind of went viral and went all over the place. And then when COVID hit, uh, being in hospitality, we were so impacted by that. And so I'd kind of had lost my way and, and had a little bit of a victim mentality and realized like, okay, I got to nip this thing in the butt. I got to turn it around. And how can I make my spreadsheet more real for me? And that's when I came up with the idea of winning the moment with these bracelets. And I realized, okay, I don't have to do everything perfect forever, but I just need to do it perfect right now. It's so much easier for me to make a good decision, like not having that cookie this afternoon than it is to say, I'm never going to have cookies again, right? Because it's unrealistic. I'll never do that. I'm absolutely going right. to eat cookies. 
but I can decide to not have one this afternoon. And so then I was like, man, this could really be something. And I'm a big believer in the universe. The universe wants us to succeed. It gives us all the opportunity to, to yes, reach sir. the success if we, if we answer the bell, right? Absolutely. And so we're reading a book with our management team and Brett calls me one Sunday and says, dude, everything in this book, I've heard you say before, like you've got to write a book. And I was like, I know I want to do it. I'm going to do it. And then that Monday, someone reached out on LinkedIn, my publishers and said, Hey, we, we found you. We think you might have an interesting story to share. Are you interested in going through the process with us? And so in the spirit of like answering that bell, the universe gave me this huge sign and said, look, here's all these, all these signs. Are you going to take it or not? Because I believe if you don't, the universe will stop giving you opportunity because you've shown that you don't actually want that thing you said you want. Your actions have to equal, yeah. Your actions have to equal your words because words are nothing. And so I, I took that, that leap of faith and went through the process. And two years later, uh, it's a real thing. And I, I couldn't be more proud. It's, it's a really cool accomplishment. And one of those lifelong goals that I get an outcross off the list. The book is called winning the moment. And, um, I can tell uh, all of you out there listening that, you know, I've gone through this myself. Writing a book is a process. And what's really funny is once you get it done and um, it has some success, you will have a lot of people around you go, you know, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I've always had this idea. I'm going to write a book. And then um, you say, okay, go ahead, because it's a much bigger it's a much bigger project than you think it is. Yes. I, I think for me, Cody, writing the book was the easiest part. Okay. It's everything that followed. Um, <laughs> yeah, was, that's true. Yeah. Right. With we're working with publishers and agents and media people and PR people and all that other kind of stuff. It is certainly a labor of love. And um, you have to be awfully proud that, uh, that you accomplished that because like you said, you can do a lot of things in business for yourself and for others, but to do something for yourself, finally focus on yourself and say, wow, I might even be a little selfish here, not at the behest of others or the detriment of others, but um, just to work on me. So tell us, um, what's the book about and who's the reader? I, so the book is really about figuring out how to live your best life. So we've talked a lot on this episode, just organically about like, how can you be the best version of you? And even just what you just said, like be selfish for a little bit. I think it's important because I can't be the best husband to my wife if I'm not the best person for me first, right? Exactly. So if I'm willing to sacrifice myself always in, in the spirit of others, eventually I'm not going to be able to give them the best version of me. And so I think it starts with you. And this book is really going to give you the tools and tactical you know, stories and antidotes as to how you can get control of your day. And in that regard, I think it's for anyone, right? Like if you're in a bout of depression, I think it's a great book to help pull you out of it. If you're on a path to success, I think it's a great book to put fuel on that fire. And so I think whether you're young, old, or in the middle, I think it's a great book. I think it truly is one of those books that anyone can read. And it's really easy too. It's 178 pages. It's really told in a story format. So it's easy to digest. And I think that so far, like reading the reviews on Amazon, my hope and aspiration of what I what I wanted people to get out of the book is really rang so true. And so I think if you're skeptical, go read those reviews. And I think it'll put you over the edge and show you why you should get it. Yeah. And and, and again, you know, it, it's one thing to write a book about a crime story or a love story or something else. But when when you are endeavoring to help somebody else with your material, I, I think it's a it's it's just such an honorable position to come from. You know, I mean, you can entertain people, you can make them laugh, make them cry, you can make them afraid in, in, in some of the, the novels <laughs> yeah. that you see in the books, yeah. that you, in the stories that you read. But for me, it was always about, you know, my world was pretty good before I wrote this book. So 
I was all about if I could cut the learning curve down for a future entrepreneur or someone who's thinking, you know, why is everyone telling me I have to go to college? I want to be a carpenter, okay? I really love building things. If I could yeah. speak to that one person, and, and you're doing the same thing. You're, you're speaking to that one person who's, who says, okay, maybe I am in control of my life. Maybe, maybe it's not what everybody else is telling me. So um, what, what, would be, what would be one thing you'd want them to take away from this book? Maybe, the, maybe something they could actually read it, put it down, and go, okay, I'm going to do this today. I think the main thing I want the reader to take away is that they are in control of their life, good, bad, or indifferent. No one controls your life but you. And so you can let other people try and control it for you, or you can control it for yourself. And sometimes that's just a battle with your mind, right? Because you are in a constant dialogue with yourself about should I or should I not? And you need to get back control and let you dictate what your life is going to look like. Yeah, and, and, and I, think, I think you do a good job of saying, and if you do that, there are rewards. There are rewards for you out there. If, if Absolutely. You, if you make that happen for yourself. So um, in, 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 the, in the final, final moments, uh, what's next for you? What's next for Cody? What's on the horizon? So uh, I talked a little bit about Vibrant, and we've got some really exciting things in the pipeline with that. Uh, we're working to build what could be just a truly, absolutely world-class resort. Uh, and, in addition to growing our, our company, we've been doing EOS, which is Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's a great, yeah. great tool yep. for it business is. owners. If, if you have a business out there and, and you're looking to like, how can I take the next step? We're almost two years into it. And I didn't want to do it because I'm a, I'm a, a conservative CFO and it's expensive. It was worth every single penny. We could have never achieved what we have achieved so far had we not gone down that process. And so really excited about what we can do with Vibrant. And then for myself with the book, I really hope it creates an opportunity and a platform for me to go speak to larger audiences of people because I want to help as many people as I can. And I think the most effective way to do that is to get in a room with them and share my message. Yeah, I think that um, as they say, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? So it's incumbent yeah. upon all of us to, uh, to share the gifts that we have, no matter what they are, with as many people as we can. And again, hopefully, you know, it's, it's not about reaching everybody. It's about reaching one person or one person at a time, I should say, and making some great things happen for them in their life. And, you know, they'll come back and want to thank you for it. And they'll want to, they'll want to blame you for their success. But, you know, you're going to turn right back to them and say, I may have had 3% to do with your success. You know, the other 97% was you yeah. and you alone. But, but thank you for that. So, yeah, it's definitely an honorable role to take. So you've heard me say a few times about comfort, peace, and freedom. Um, when I first started writing, it, these three words just wouldn't leave my head. And, and you talk about, you know, a calling that you get sometimes, that, and, and you ought to take that calling. Well, I started writing down some stories. I actually was writing a letter to my daughter, who was pretty ill at the time, and, and um, she, came, she went through a scary couple of years, and and her mother and I were like, wow, you know, how do we get through this? And um, again, those words, comfort, peace, and freedom just kept coming back. And I'd done a lot of coaching. So she encouraged me to, to maybe put these stories out there and um, to talk about uh, what's really important in life. Okay, what is your perfect nirvana? So I ask everybody uh, and that, I, that I talk to, if, if you could say this, where is Cody his most comfortable? Ooh, I'd say, well, that's a two, that's a two question answer, right? I'm most comfortable at home with my family if I'm just being like fully comfortable. But if you're talking about professionally, like I love being, I love helping people. 
Like when I can have an audience, whether it's like a sales team or it's my team at Vibrant or it's a it's a classroom of students, being able to share something with them that I think will make a difference is I, I'm, I've never been uncomfortable in that situation. Perfect. Love it. And um, you not only have not been uncomfortable, you thrive in that. So that's that's what yeah. makes it even better. So let's talk about the second one, peace. If you're if you have some time off and you're looking to go find some peace somewhere and, and you're like, OK, it's Cody's time. I got to unplug and do all that. What are you doing and where are you going to find peace? That's why I love golf, because it takes about four hours and there's no <laughs> distractions and you're in nature and there's this internal battle with yourself. Like you can be playing other people, but you also play yourself in golf, which I love. And so I think that that's probably my favorite place to go and decompress and, and find some peace. So you're going to tell me we've been talking for nearly an hour and just now you're telling me you're a golfer. I mean, I'm an, I'm an absolute addict to golf. Okay. I, I, I probably play a hundred rounds a year. I just absolutely love it. And um, to your point, you're right. Uh, everything on the golf course is your fault. Good, bad, or different. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely and, true. And you can be cruising along 15 holes and like, man, I'm going to break 80 today. And then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Someone just kicks you in, in the butt and, there's well, 80 there's 81 <laughs> and what, what i love about golf too i shared this on a podcast on before is like what's so unique about golf and in life is that in order to get better at golf i have to at first get worse right because yeah. like whatever skills that i have can get me that i can get me a 90 like consistently but if i want to shoot an 85 i'm going to have to make a change in my golf game and at the beginning of that change i will i will absolutely be worse because i won't have mastered it like i did the swings i used to get to 90 and Correct. so you have to be willing to be worse in order to get better and so i think golf can be such a good life teacher in that way all right so i'm going to interrupt my comfort peace and freedom thing for one minute it's just so i could ask you what's the coolest course you ever played on Ooh, the coolest course i've ever played on was probably when i was in the dominican republic and it was i can't remember what the course was but it was right along the ocean and it went through a bunch of beautiful mansions and it was just it was spectacular that would have had to have been um house of the teeth of the dog right teeth of the dog or it would have been die four do you remember either one of those die four sounds familiar yeah beautiful place really really beautiful place i would have to say cypress point for me on the coast of california because you couldn't oh, focus yeah, on golf with all these tidal waves going by you, I mean, you couldn't even focus on golf. It was the most beautiful place that I had ever been. So getting back to comfort, peace, and freedom, what's the, the, the final one is freedom. So if, um, if, 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 if you're going to feel free, okay, you've got your comfort, you've got your peace, and, and you're like, wow, right now I'm in a place where I just feel totally free, where, where would that be? It's probably again at home with my family, because if I'm there with them, it means that I there's no other outside source that's influenced me to be somewhere else anywhere than where I am. And I guess really in the theme of today's podcast, that's when I'm present, because wherever I am, that's where I have to be. And that's where I find the most freedom. Awesome. Where can people find your book and where can they find you? So you can go to codyaden.com. I've got a link to my book there. You can buy it directly from me. I also tell people, if you have a place you love to buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever, just buy it there. If that's what you love to do, then do that. If you do buy it from me on my website, I'll sign it and send it to you. Uh, you can also buy the bracelets on codyaden.com. And then most of my socials are just codyadent. Um, or if you type that into Google, you're going to find me. Perfect. Uh, great talking to you today. I, I love speaking with like-minded people people that um, are willing to help and, and share their talents and skills with others. Uh, Cody Aiden, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for the platform. I really appreciate it. You got it.
Well, there you have it. Some great information from some pretty amazing people. Thank you for taking time to listen to today's show, and I hope that you found some value in what you just heard. If this show positively impacted you in any way, please take a minute to leave a positive review or share it with a friend who could benefit from the Comfort, Peace, and Freedom podcast. I'm Ken Rusk. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.